Hey, I'm Momodoro with the Life Expansion After 50 podcast. Today, we're on the second episode in mapping the success principles over to the unconscious and neurochange lens. We left off last week. The next one we're talking about is practicing self-love. If you are tuning into this one first, I do recommend watching the episode before this one. The woo-woo gap is the first one. And then watch 19, which is where I set up this exercise that we're doing now. And essentially, I'm taking time-tested, well-accepted success principles and showing how most of this is from the inside out. And the reason is because when we use, we manifested something, it's very easy for people to think that's from the outside in, which can create stress because now they're not in control. And the way I'm looking at it here is you can actually control. By the way, I'm not suggesting that there is no spiritual part of this. I think faith has a very important part. The point is that what I want to do is know where the physical realm ends and then where faith picks up. And that's just for me. And you have to make that work for yourself if that's even important to you. So the next one is practicing self-love. Developing a strong sense of self-worth and self-love obviously makes sense. Treat yourself with kindness and respect. There's enough negative hitting us in the world On a daily basis, we don't want to pile on. Self-love also releases oxytocin, and that's going to help you with mindfulness. It gives you sort of a break from the unconscious. People are in love. They're not getting pounded on by the unconscious. It's it's a nice little bliss bubble that they're in. So giving self-love, exercising self-love, is going to have you experiencing love. The oxytocin that's released will make it easier for you to love others. So that's why we say, you know, you don't want two broken people coming together to try to make a whole. You have to love yourself first before you can actually, before you can love someone else. The next one is releasing limiting beliefs. This is a big one. Identify and challenge beliefs that hold you back. Replace them with empowering beliefs that support your goals. Limiting beliefs may be one of the biggest obstacles because you may not even know that you have a limiting belief. Some of these beliefs were formed during our years from zero to seven or maybe from a traumatic event that left you feeling a certain way. Beliefs lead to habits, mindset, reactions to the environment, and priming. In other words, all the tools available to you to manage your unconscious are impacted by beliefs. So your beliefs could sabotage you before you even get out the chute. And the reason I said it's a big one is because Many of them are below the surface. The other thing that happens is we get this uh, stacking effect where once you have a belief, you put other beliefs on top of that, and then you start making decisions based on that, where you live, your political preference, religious preferences, your spouse, the job you take, the car you buy. All of those could have a, a belief component within them. Whether you choose to take the promotion or not, whether you choose to pursue a career change or not, Beliefs factor into all of that, and, and without having the right belief, you could take off running, doing all the things right, but that belief is going to hold you back because when it comes time to going across that river, the belief is going to stop you. And that's where a lot of people continue to get coaches because the coach, you can spot the limiting belief in a heartbeat. It's, it just shows up when, when you're going through like group coaching and you're listening to somebody being coached. You can hear it. You can hear the fixed mindset. You can hear the beliefs, but they can't see it themselves because they're masking it from themselves. So none of that is woo-woo. That's all coming from inside. These beliefs were formed from zero to seven. The beliefs become habits of thought. Those habits of thought just keep playing out where your behavior is now your personality. But there's no woo-woo. It's just what you choose to believe 
and then whether or not you choose to do the work to remove the un, uh, to remove the limiting beliefs and replace them with more empowering beliefs. And a lot of people have a problem with that because sometimes you have to believe the thing before you have the evidence or the proof. But to do the other, you could be running around in a circle like a hamster on a wheel forever. So you, again, it's a decision you make, but the point is it's not in the woo-woo realm, it's in your, it's in your control. Setting an intentional focus. So this is very related to goal setting. Direct your attention towards what you want rather than what you don't want. Energy flows where your attention goes. This one has tentacles. The first one is your focus inevitably creates a picture. Now we're attracted to pictures as we talked about before and our reticular activating system uses our pictures to grasp what's important to us. Negative pictures act like negative goal setting. Just like a nocebo can make a patient worse, negative pictures can do the same by making failure more familiar and the unconscious prefers the familiar. And so you attract that negative to you. But just thinking about worry is negative goal setting. If you could lock that in your brain and so whenever you feel yourself worrying or thinking about worrying, you've got to change that. The majority of things that people worry about never come to pass. If I ask people, what's the worst thing that you thought might happen to you five years ago? A second worst, because sometimes people can remember the worst. But in five years, they can't remember the second worst thing they thought might happen and they can't remember the second worst thing that happened. We've got to get to the point where you're not worrying about this stuff. And the worrying comes from, the again, the neurons firing and wiring. I talked two or three sets ago about the positivity exercise because what you want to do is get to the point where you're triggering positivity from bad news rather than negativity. With the unconscious processing at 11 million bits per second and the conscious only 50 bits per second, you don't stand a chance. As soon as the idea hits the unconscious, which is well before the two-tenths of a second reaction time, those neurons are often running with a negative view of it. Stay persistent. Back to the growth mindset, back to watching a baby learn to walk. Stay committed to your goals, even in the face of setbacks or challenges. Persistence is key. Looked at cognitively, a setback can look like failure. But looked at through the lens of deep practice to create strong neural pathways, you see setbacks are simply part of the process. I talked about it a little bit with the kids learning to do a skateboard trick. You just have to look at it as part of the process. 95% of our lives is run by the unconscious. So why should we leave that to chance? Think neural pathways, trillions of them, and you'll see the world differently. When we think about it from a cerebral standpoint, and if we know better, then we should do better, you're missing that point that 95% is done by habit. That's the part that I think is fascinating because people agree that 95% is done by habit, but then at the same time, we use approaches that rely on the person knowing, and that's not it at all. Knowing is just awareness. Now we've got to get it into the, into the nervous system. Take aligned action. Take steps towards your goals. Action combined with positive intention accelerates your progress. Now, I learned decades ago that it's easier to act yourself into a new way of feeling than it is to feel yourself into a new way of acting. Most people have experienced this when going on a run or maybe going to the gym. You don't want to go, but you know if you just get there, you're good. Now, with that, there are two or three things at play with the unconscious. The unconscious resists the unfamiliar. So before you start, you feel resistance naturally, especially if you're just starting to get back to the gym and haven't been going for a while. 
The unconscious also acts out of patterns. So once you get going, the neurons associated with the action jump in. It's sort of like a reset that happens. Now, if you go back to the hunter-gatherer, when they walked through from, say, the forest or the tree, tree line out into the open field, it was open, they had to look around. So our, we still have that wiring in our brain. If you go through a doorway, your, your brain starts looking around. What's new here? What's different? Go outside. That's why going outside and just taking a walk when you're stuck will we'll do wonders because now you're looking around and you're seeing what's different and you shut down the unconscious chatter for a moment. So by going out the door and then into the gym, you've got these new environments, this like pattern interrupts. Literally, it's a pattern interrupt just by getting up and going out. So there's a lot to, to be said with that. But again, it's no woo-woo. I don't think that there's any question about that. When it comes to transformation, something I've observed with clients is that they resist and get stuck under the line when they're under the line. But if I can get them to go through the line, it's as if the turbochargers kick in. Once they get through the line, the ex- it's almost like the execution neurons come in and then they start helping out. I can also look at it as critical mass. Whatever it is, consider resistant neurons before, before you start and sympathetic ne- Consider it to be resistant neurons before you start and sympathetic neurons after you begin or after you get through the hard part. You know, a lot of times speakers will tell you, people who speak regularly will tell you that they're still nervous. And, you know, I I learned 40 years ago that instead of feeling the nervousness, you have butterflies in your stomach. The idea is to get the butterflies flying in formation because even even world-class athletes have that anxiety before they are, are on the field. And you have to push through it. Steve Harvey talks about that too. So don't think that you're not ready yet because you have anxiety or nervousness. You do, but you have to keep taking those steps. And that's a good example of once you get on stage and you get the first few words out of you. Know, by the way, a tip there is when I was teaching public speaking, you always memorize and practice over and over and over your opening line. You don't want to screw up your opening line, and you don't want to be reading it. You want to be looking at the audience. Know your opening line cold, because that's the most nervous part. And once you get that out of the way, it's like the success neurons kick in, and then you're home free. So it's very similar to that. If you can enter the moment with no thoughts of anxiety about the future or regrets about the past, and your mind is clear... You can create with all the power that you have. And that's what happens when you do it the way we're talking about now. I mentioned the present moment, the powerful present moment. is the consciousness, mind, and thought when you have them all pure. You can enter that moment with no thoughts of anxiety about the future, regrets about the past, nothing there is. The mind is clear. The problem-solving mechanism is there. And you have access to all the information that's available to you you can create power from that space. Alternatively, if you're saddled with anxiety, fear, and worry, any plans you create in those moments will be plans for lack because you can't see the greatness. I know a coach who won't even work with a client until they make their goal adequately bodacious. It's as though small goals don't clear the decks. They don't rise to the one thing that I do. And that's what that's about. So the next one is practicing mindfulness. A lot is said about mindfulness. I almost think that mindfulness is thrown around too much like growth mindset. There are a lot of people who think they have a growth mindset 
and they really don't, or they may have a growth mindset in one area, but not in another. And you can hear the fixed mindset coming out, even when people are thinking that they have a very good growth mindset. And I think mindfulness can be that way too. People do a few deep breaths and they're thinking that they're being mindful. But when you understand, when you look at it from the lens that the subconscious is in charge 95% of the time, being mindful for a few minutes is not, is not enough. Now, I did talk earlier that that is an on-ramp, and you can make progress by meditating one or two or three minutes per hour a few times a day just to get started. But eventually, you want to get to the point where your meditations and that buffer you get between the unconscious and the conscious, that buffer can carry through until your next meditation session. Some people meditate two or three times a week. Others meditate two or three times a day. You'll come up with what you're going to do. I go back to that quote from Gandhi that he said he had so much to do that day, he better meditate twice as long. And that stuck with me because it helps me realize that when things are getting tough, I just need to go meditate, not because it's going to make it happen, but it gives me that buffer, that space between my conscious and my unconscious. And in that space, I can create. Now, the present moment is the key. It unlocks getting that conscious mind back in charge and that purity of mind, thought, and consciousness. If you can enter the moment with no thoughts of anxiety about the future or regrets about the past and your mind is clear, you can create with all the power that you have. Alternatively, if you're saddled with anxiety, fear, and worry, any plans you create in those moments will be plans for lack because you can't see the greatness. This is why I think 10x goals worked, because it makes people clear the decks and they totally get focused. The next one is surround yourself with positivity. Associate with people who support and uplift you. Positive relationships contribute to your overall energy, and you can start to see a pattern. I believe the philosophers from centuries ago figured out a lot of this by looking at nature and other facets of life. I can think of the 100 billion neurons as a mob, for example. It's easy for a mob to get triggered, and if you're in it, it's not long before you're doing things that you probably never would otherwise do. To explain beyond the mob mentality, in the 1980s it was discovered that we have mirror neurons. Now these mirror neurons enable us to feel empathy. If you're involved in any balance activities at all, skiing, snowboarding, skating, things like that, even running it can happen, and you see somebody fall, you can almost feel yourself stumble. Uh, many times on the ski slopes, you see somebody fall, and it's like you'll get that little bobble, especially if you're on the edge of your ability. The mirror neurons actually let us experience what other people are feeling. Now, these weren't discovered, like I said, until three decades ago. So this is very new, and it explains a lot. In fact, it's the mirror neurons that I think solved my parking space question, because I knew... I never wanted to believe that the parking spaces were being formed because I had faith. It just didn't seem right. It, 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 to me, the miracles, the real miracles in my life came either to save my life or when I was on purpose, working on purpose. A parking space, it could be on purpose, but it just didn't seem to rise to the occasion. But anyway, with the mirror neurons, and there are studies that show that our brains communicate with other brains. I believe, now this is probably as woo-woo as I'm going to get, and it's not woo-woo. I actually believe that these mirror neurons are interacting with other brains, and these other brains are seeing people who are getting in their car or have their keys in their hand. The reason I say that is because very often when I'm 
expecting this parking space to be there. I don't have a visual of that. I'm not visualizing. I just know I'm going to have a parking space. And I'll be driving down a street or a lane in the parking lot, and I'm turning to the right, and then I'll just get an urge to turn to the left, and I just have to listen to it. I just go with those urges. It's just You just go with it, and sure enough, there's the parking space. And it happens so much, so often, with such regularity that I needed an answer. And the mirror neurons is the best I have right now. I didn't run that one by neuroscientists, but I will just to see what they think about it. But the whole mirror neuron thing is so new, they get a little bit squirrely when I start talking about it because there's just not enough science out there. And again, they've got a pretty high bar before they could say something is thus and so. But it can explain why we become like our closest friends. Then there are other examples of people who live together getting into synchronicity. So I'm going to leave it there. The next time we'll get into using gratitude journaling. Journaling is a big success principle. I'll go through a little bit faster now that we have the rhythm and you can see that I'm unpacking a lot of this and it's not rocket science. I'm just giving an explanation so that there's no room for the woo-woo. And then if you want to introduce faith back into the equation, so be it. Have at it. All right, so that's it. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.